At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner. Presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Denver City Cast. Presented by Bet Rivers. Holden with VEASAN with you. Monster show coming up. We're going to talk about all four local pro sports teams. Yes, the Nuggets, the Broncos, the Rockies, the Avalanche. We got two huge college basketball games this week, at least two, because we got the Rams with the first game of the tournament. They're taking on Michigan. That'll be on Thursday. And then we have Colorado playing in the NIT tonight. Also, I've got my buddy Stevie Boynton, Run Pure Sports, Run Pure Bets. He's going to break down his favorite bets from the NCAA tournament. So looking forward to catching up with him. Maybe we'll actually, we are going to talk some live betting strategies as well. If you want to hop in and bet these things live, these games live. And then also we're going to recap last night's Nuggets Sixers game and debate the MVP between Embiid and our guy, Nikola Jokic. And we will lead with that on the front range Four. every show we do here. We start with the front range Four. The four biggest stories in sports on the front range. So let's do that. NBA MVP odds. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. The Nuggets beat the Sixers 114-110 last night. So Jokic with 22-13-8, but he was minus nine. It was really the bench that got the team the win. It was very odd. You know, we're talking about Embiid. He's so valuable. This is why. That is why. He had an okay game, but really the bench, which has been the biggest issue, the biggest liability, and a big part as to why Jokic has had the opportunity to be as great as he's been. They were great last night. But Jokic, minus nine. Embiid, 34-9-4. and four, But his team lost. He had a couple blocks, too. So I think of the head-to-head, really, if you look at it, Embiid had the better game. But Jokic's team ended up winning. So let's look at these updated MVP odds after last night. Embiid continues, uh, it, it continues to go up. These odds were what? Minus 125, minus 130. This is the highest I've seen it, minus 136. So he continues to have money pouring in on him. And Jokic is sitting at plus 130. It is a two-man MVP race at this point. Anybody tells you Giannis or John Moran are in there, there's not enough games left in the season, in my estimation, for either one of those guys uh, to get back in the mix for the MVP. So it is a two-man race. I would have liked to seen Jokic do a little bit more last night, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it just wasn't his best game. And we also didn't see Embiid and Jokic guarding each other that much. Uh, for the most part, those two had other assignments. But to the game now, and again, I'll, I'll just say this, one more thing about the MVP. I think at this point, if you just wanted to have some fun and throw it on Jokic, go for it. 
it's going to come down to the voters. Did they see enough of Jokic? Because a lot of the voters, I think, on the East Coast, you know, they're only going to watch Jokic play a couple of times a year. And I think last night, a lot of the voters watched that game last night and, and saw Embiid a little bit better than Jokic. But again, uh, Jokic's team won. I'm not going to take too much out of this game. I think if Jokic dominated Embiid or if Embiid dominated Jokic, yes, it'd be different. But I don't. I just don't think Jokic did anything last night to help his MVP case. I think, if anything, he may have hurt it just a tad bit because Embiid had the better game. I also don't think Embiid really helped his case for MVP. His team lost. He was better. So if anything, again, I think the lines show it. A little bit of a climb for Embiid after last night's game and a little bit of a step back for Jokic. But there's still time. There's still time with 13 games left uh, for Jokic to either catch him in the mind of voters or keep his lead. Older school voters, East Coast voters, they're going to go with Embiid. Guys, ladies that cover the sport, that are into the analytics, that see just how important Jokic is, and really is historically important. Like, he is having a historically valuable season. They'll vote for Jokic. Still a little bit of time to go, though. So, last night's game. It goes well. Nuggets were down by as much as 19, 19 points. 19 points in that fourth quarter. They just stormed back. The bench was terrific. Uh, they end up winning this game 114-110. Bones Highland, 21 points. A big reason why the bench was so good. 21 points. Remember, back-to-back -back threes late in that game. He went four of nine from beyond the arc. And he also said there were six to 700 people that he knew that were at that game to watch him. So he's from nearby Wilmington, Delaware. That's not a long drive to Philadelphia. He had a lot of people there last night. So the Nuggets bench, let's talk about this again, because we're starting to see some signs of life and we're starting to hear the rumbling sooner than later. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be back. It's only going to boost the bench. You know, if he goes in there, you'll have a body move to the bench. I personally, you know, would think that they're going to go what is ever best for Porter Jr. over, well, you know what? Whatever's best for Porter Jr. is probably going to be best for the team, but they've got to go up and, and ask him, you know, do you feel comfortable coming off the bench? I'm sure they've had these conversations already. Do you feel comfortable coming off the bench? We're going to have to limit your minutes. You obviously can't handle the large minutes. They're going to say it that bluntly, but I'm interested in seeing how this bench you know, turns when Porter Jr. comes back. We're still 50-50 on Jamal, but you've got Bones. You've got Boogie Cousins, who, by the way, here we go again, and he had back-to-back -back threes. It looked awesome. He took three three-pointers in a row on three consecutive possessions, but another technical. Add another to Boogie's resume. I mean, it, it really is amazing. If we had a DeMarcus Cousins technical prop every single night, I think you'd have to probably put it at even money because there's a very good chance that it's going to happen. Anyway, some other things from this game. Team shot 53%, the Nuggets did. They held Philly to 49.2% or 42.9% from the field. Excuse me, that was a really nice defensive effort last night. It really was, 42.9% from the field for Philly. The Nuggets, again, 53% shooters. And then last but not least, let's just go to the lines from this game. And recap the lines. The Nuggets were getting two and a half points at minus 110 on Bet Rivers. Ended up covering that. As a matter of fact, I saw Bet Rivers, they had just about the best money line for the Nuggets at plus 125. Saw this thing closer to game time close around 110. So plus 125. And then the game went under. They scored 214. The game went under 219 and a half. So Nuggets cover, Nuggets money line, game went under. So Last thoughts. Denver now 41 and 28. They need to go seven and six to cover the over 47 and a half wins. So it's still looking very good. That was a show bet there. It was the preseason number. It was the in-season number that we picked up a little over a month ago. Seven and six in the final 13. They've got the Wizards tomorrow night. I'll have a breakdown of that game on tomorrow's show. And to be perfectly honest with you, they should win that game too. Hopefully they don't get high on themselves. Hey, we beat the Sixers. Great win. So awesome. Well, you know what? You got the Wizards tomorrow night. It's a banged up team. No Bradley Beal. And again, I'll have a breakdown of that game on tomorrow's show. Number two on the front range four. 
Now, I could have gone with CSU, and I could have gone with Colorado, and I could have gone with the Broncos, too. But I ended up going with the game that's happening tonight. So I'm going to get to CSU. I'm going to get to the Rams. If you watch this show or listen to this show, you know how invested I've been in the Colorado State Rams basketball team this season. Uh, Betting on them just about every game and coming out plus units. But here we go. The NIT is tonight. The Colorado Buffaloes. Told you they weren't going to make the tournament. That's fine, though. Uh, They're a good basketball team, not NCAA tournament worthy. They play St. Bonaventure. It's a first-round game. It's at the CU Event Center tonight at 9 o'clock, so a late, late start. Here's the lines on Bet Rivers. Colorado minus 4. 139.5 is the total. Let's not bother with the money line at minus 180 uh, unless you are throwing them in a parlay, which I'm not doing. But honestly, the Buffs did not have the resume to get into the tournament. They didn't deserve to be in the tournament. Simple as that. Just too many bad losses, right? Uh, but I think that they would have been a better selection than Wyoming. I mean, the Buffs finished the season much stronger. The overall resume was not as impressive because of the lack of quad one wins and they had some bad uh, losses too. I mean, they lost by double digits to Washington State and Arizona State. That Arizona State game, that to me was the nail in the coffin, right? So they just weren't getting an at-large bid. They weren't getting an at-large bid because the bad losses and the lack of great losses. The Arizona win was great, but the Buffs finished the regular season at 21-11. and They went 12-8 and in the Pac-12, and they earned the fourth seed in the Pac-12 tournament. They lost to Arizona in the semifinals of the conference tournament. And I'll say this one more time. Uh, this is going to be a terrific team next year. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, these young Buffs really step into a role where they'll be one of the top three teams in the Pac-12, and they should be an NCAA tournament team, no question, no doubt about it. Uh, But again, the conference losses, the bad losses to the bad teams, that hurt. So the Buffs lost five of six. Arizona State was in there, and then they won eight of ten to finish the season. So they really played good basketball down the stretch, which is why, you know, you heard uh, – you you heard – the coaching staff, you heard Tad Boyle say we should get consideration over teams like Virginia Tech. Well, guess what? Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament. You're not getting in there. Wasn't happening. Uh, anyway, CU 70th in Ken Palm. Buffalo shoot 37% from three. Major advantage tonight from beyond the arc. A Colorado three balls go down. Uh, they're going to win this game. They are shooting at the 30th highest rate in the country from beyond the arc. St. Bonaventure stinks defending the three. They're 225th and three-point percentage allowed. And they've given up the sixth highest share of points. Um, and that's from the Athletic. I just took that note right there. 225th and three-point percentage. Colorado's also bigger on the inside. And the Bonnies won't be able to stop Jabari Walker. He's a walking double-double machine. Evan Batty has a nice matchup as well. And St. Bonaventure, you know, they're not a, they're not a bad team. They didn't live up to expectations. Again, this was a ranked team, but they're 88th in Kempom. They're 255th in pace. They play slow. I think Colorado ups the tempo here. If they hit their threes, even if they turn the ball over like they normally do, they should have enough to defeat the Bonnies. Um, also, St. Bonaventure, okay defensively, 96th in adjusted defensive efficiency, but they are 147th in defensive rating, so not great there. Uh, They don't shoot the three well, and uh, they're bad defending the three. And I think that's a problem for them when they're taking on Colorado. So top 25 team of the Bonnies, they've really fallen back. They went 20-9. and They finished the 8-10 at 12-5, and and they lost in the quarterfinals. They did beat Boise State in the regular season. It's a team I'm very familiar with, and maybe uh, some of you are familiar with as well. But the last point to make here, the Bonnies just are not deep. Four of their starters play at least 37 minutes. Now they're going to altitude. They're only playing, you know, six guys, seven guys at a max. But four of their players are almost playing the whole game. The play on Bet Rivers, Colorado is minus four. The play is Colorado minus four. Wow. Let's go to number two. Actually, that was number two. Let's go to number three on the front range four. Colorado State, the Rams. Yay, we should all be happy. We really should. This is a great season for Nico Medved and the boys. Sixth seed is what they end up grabbing. 
They're going to take the 11th seed Michigan Wolverines on Thursday. It is the first game of the NCAA tournament. Don't worry about those first four games. The real NCAA tournament, Thursday morning, wake up, either take off work or put your headphones on and listen during work or watch on the computer or do what I'm doing. Sit your ass on the couch and live bet the game. Um, here's the numbers. Here's the lines on Bet Rivers. CSU plus two and a half, plus 118 on the money line, and 139 and a half is the total. This is interesting just because I think you've got a lot of sharp NCAA analysts saying, like Jay Billis, hey, Michigan's going to run uh, Colorado State into the ground. You've got the public looking at this as a very, very uh, popular upset. And then I'm seeing a lot of sharp guys over at VSIN. They like Colorado State, too. A lot of us follow the Mountain West Conference. Out in Vegas, they've got UNLV. They went to a lot of those games. They went to the tournament. So they've seen a lot of this, too. And I don't have anybody on the bet sheet right now at VEASAN that is going to be backing Michigan. Now, that could change as we get closer to game time. I just don't see it. And I like the Rams here. I did place a bet already. CSU plus two and a half. I do wonder if this thing gets up to three. But it... I have a problem thinking that it will for the sole fact that the public is really backing uh, CSU here. But before I get into my breakdown, and by the way, congrats to the Rams. Back in the big dance, first time since 2013. They ended the regular season 23rd in the nation in the AP poll, 25 and 5, second in the Mountain West during the regular season, lost to San Diego State in the Mountain West semifinals. Before I get into the breakdown though, there was an interesting situation going on. College basketball insider Matt Norlander was tweeting out this situation. He goes, uh, Nico Medved, head coach for the Rams, he texted me, he said, it's 10 o'clock. We don't know when we're flying to Indianapolis. And this was yesterday. We don't have any answers yet. It makes it difficult to plan your day tomorrow as far as practice and preparation right now. And then we don't know anything and we're scheduled for the first game of the tournament. And that wasn't fair. Let's, let's face it. Medved texted back. He goes, just found out we're leaving tomorrow morning. It's 10 o'clock. Uh, and they didn't know. It was 10 o'clock yesterday. They didn't know when they were going to play this game to, in Indianapolis. They're playing where the Pacers play their games. They're not playing in Henkel. But that was fascinating to me that they were one of maybe four schools. I think Tennessee was in the same situation too, so it wasn't just a CSU thing, but one of a, about a handful of teams that didn't get a nice itinerary from the NCAA. But ultimately, Medved, uh, Norlander, these guys went public with it, and then they, they planned everything, and a little, a little tweet there got things going, and they left at 9.50 this morning, 9.50 local time from Fort Collins to Indianapolis. So hopefully Medved and the Rams get their practice schedule set up and they can get going against Michigan. Now, back to Thursday's game, and I will have a detailed, detailed, detailed breakdown of this game tomorrow uh, leading into the big dance, okay? I did place the bet already, so I'll give you the bet, but let me give you some background on Michigan. Michigan finished the regular season 17 and 13. They were number six in the country. They had massive, massive expectations here. They had that close loss to UCLA in the tournament last season. So that was a rough one for them. Um, the next thing to get into with this game, they finished the year again at 17 and 13. They've got a big stud by the name of Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson. Uh, Dickinson, I've seen a lot of this kid. You may have too just because Michigan's on TV a lot, 18 points, eight rebounds, one and a half blocks per game. They also got a couple of freshmen too, led by Caleb Houston. You've got NBA draft picks. As a matter of fact, I think you have four NBA draft picks that are going to end up being second round picks in the, um, in the NBA draft coming up this season. So the two freshmen, Dickinson and David Roddy. Rams are going to have trouble with Dickinson, but... Dickinson is, is the big problem for the Rams. The big problem for the Wolverines is going to be David Rowdy. It's very tough to guard this guy. We know that. So CSU, 20th in the nation in offensive efficiency per Ken Palm. Uh, they are just, the, the Rams are terrific offensively. I'm just a little concerned about the slow starts that they've had. Slow starts have kind of killed them. So if you don't want to bet this game pregame, 
I think you're going to be able to get a better number in game. I just want to get into this game. Half a unit, two and a half points. Take the two and a half, and then in game, I'll take the other half a unit. Now, maybe this is a no-no to many because you're placing two bets and you got to win both bets to come out and plus money, whereas opposed to, hey, I'm going to bet the two and a half here and we're either going to live or die with that number. I just think two and a half they cover, but if I can get a five or a six, or I'm feeling a little differently about this game, and all of a sudden, wow, CSU's not playing well, maybe Michigan is the play. I'm going to throw a half unit plus two and a half. I already did that. I'll put a half unit to the side for a live bet as well. My questions will be answered tomorrow. I will ask myself questions. I will answer those questions on this game. Um, can they get over those slow starts? Is this a better live betting opportunity? What do I think of the total? We'll get into all of that and a whole bunch more tomorrow. Next, what do we got to do? We got to get to the Broncos, number four on the front range four. Wow. Broncos kicking ass here early on in the offseason. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Ian Rappaport went on Ryan Edwards' show, him and Ben Albright. But Ryan Edwards, a frequent guest of the show, um, he said that offensive tackle Lyle Collins is going to be released by the Cowboys and the Broncos are going to be in the mix. Now, the Broncos' offensive line last year was much, much, much improved. Much improved last year. Uh, I think that you get Collins in there, it's going to be an elite offensive line in front of Russell Wilson already. So that's something to keep an eye on. The Broncos, though, they made a really shrewd move. I like this one. They signed a great run stopper. And I say a great run stopper. DJ Jones, who was with the Niners, a terrific run stopper. Three-year, $30 million deal. Last year, he finally stayed healthy. So he performed. He gets paid. Uh, he was ranked second only behind Aaron Donald in tack tackles uh, for loss or no gain. Second in the NFL behind Aaron Donald at tackles for loss or no gain. Uh, last year, according to Pro Football Focus, Andrew Mason pointed this out, Jones' run-stopping percentage of 13.1%, best in the league of the 105 interior defensive linemen who had at least 150 snaps. Wow. When he's healthy, he is an upgrade over Shelby Harris. I know everybody here loves Shelby Harris. I like Shelby Harris, but this is an upgrade if he stays healthy. So for the first time in Jones' career, he played in every game. That was awesome. Great run stopper. He can't contribute against the pass. He had 62 tackles, 12 for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles last year. So what's ahead here for the Broncos? couple things. They missed out on Randy Gregory, who is going back to uh, Dallas. So... They could use another pass rusher. Is it Von Miller? Is it Chandler Jones? I would love to see Chandler Jones here. So they're still looking for an edge rusher, and they're probably in the market for a cornerback on defense as well. But that is that. The front range four. Four huge stories here in the front range today. Here's what's coming up. Uh, again, Stevie Boynton is going to run down the whole NCAA tournament. We're going to get with him. I'm going to have Ryan Rothstein coming on. Ryan and I are going to discuss the MVP race. But next, Duvalier Johnson with the DNVR. First time appearance here on the show. He covers the Nuggets for DNVR. So I'm looking forward to catching up with him for the first time on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. For more real-time relevant sports betting news and information, listen to VEASAN in Denver on Altitude Sports 950. VEASAN, the sports betting network, is on the air in Denver. Listen to relevant real-time sports betting news and information on Denver's Altitude Sports 950. Follow the money, a numbers game, Lombardi Line, My Guys in the Desert, The Nightcap, and much, much more from VEASAN. 
the sports betting network on the air in Denver on Altitude Sports 950. Hold it with VEASAN. Welcome back to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Told you we're going to talk a lot of nuggets today. It's March Madness, but uh, we got some nuggets to talk with. Duvalier Johnson, he covers the nuggets. He's the nuggets insider with DNVR. Duvalier, thank you for hopping on, first of all. Second of all, you can't see this, but he has a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game in the background, which I am just completely enamored with. And uh, I don't know how you chose that over NBA Jam, but you really can't go wrong there. Congratulations on having a wonderful setup with the video game works. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's, that's much respect. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the setup is just is great just to have a, a video game in your house. It's kind of just like having an art. Like, I don't play it as much anymore, but um, in the peak of quarantine, I was all on that game. Well, peak of quarantine... I think we were watching the NBA bubble too, weren't we? That was kind of fun. That I'll never forget that matchup with the Jazz in the playoffs. That was one of the great playoff series you're going to see. But here we go. Let's flash forward a couple of years now. <laughs> we got a hell of a game from the Nuggets bench last night against the Sixers. Let's talk about this game. We'll get into the MVP race as well. But what happened here with the bench? Like, are we starting to turn a corner with the Nuggets bench? Are we starting to see more consistent performances out of them? Or are we just going to have to hope – Porter Jr. and Murray come back, and it adds a little bit more depth to the bench, Duvalier. I think a little bit of both. I think that they are starting to turn a corner. They just, you know, acquired um, DeMarcus Cousins and picked him up for the entire year, and he's added a different element. Um, he gives them that toughness. Um, he gives them an ability to run their offense through the center just because he brings some of those Jokic-like uh, attributes, being able to, to playmake as a big man, being able to um, find others and cutters. Um, while also protecting the rim. I just think that they have their guy for that. Also, um, you know, going back to last night and also just, you know, as of late, Bones Highland, that guy, he just does a little bit of everything. His speed um, and tenacity as far as having the ball in his hands and just being able to, to, to make things happen. He um, is such an impactful player and he goes up for 21 points, probably his best game. Um, of his young career, but you're just starting to see him just start to shine and the confidence is, it, it, it's LeBron-esque. He, he feels like he's the best player on the floor when he's, uh, when he's with that second unit. So just having his confidence rise just brings a different element to the team. So here's my question then. How much can they rely on a rookie going down the stretch once you head into the playoffs? Like, is, is this a situation where you see Bones hot one night, cold another, just a mercurial asset? Or is it something they can really, could really count on coming into playoff time? Well, I think it just kind of depends if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. do come back to the, um, to the team this year, just because that would push, you know, maybe a Monte Morris to the bench um, or um, a Will Barton or someone else, you know, that is in the stars, Jeff Green. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. Rookies are going to have their ups and downs. They're going to have their, their ebbs and flows um, in games where they're going to be hot. And he's going to be hot, hot. But there is going to be those cold spells. Um, so just being able to – just not ride them the entire time, but have others step up um, with them and just actually um, want those same things that he brings. Um, the pushing the pace, the scoring from, from deep, the isolation baskets, um, just a little bit of everything. So I think that uh, relying on a rookie is tough, but also I think that he can um, push them to where they need to go. If you had to set the line, because you're a better, if you had to set the line on DeMarcus Cousins' technicals every night, would you just put it at even money? I'll put it at 0.5. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like 0.5, he gets one. It's even even money both sides. It is pretty that, much right? even money. Um, and it, and it's it's funny to say. Um, really, at that, it's been up and down as far as if you want him to get one or not. I think in a game like uh, last night, where you know he's going against the Sixers, and it's just like a playoff atmosphere type of game. You want them to not get punked on national television. You want them to play with some type of edge or some type of flair. And I think that he brings that to the team. So it's going to be okay to pick up those type of um, technical fouls where you're just like, hey, it won't be us. But then there's those other nights where the Nuggets are rolling and they're, they're playing really well and he picks one up. And it's now starting to um, venture off to where Michael Malone is starting to pick up technical fouls and others are starting to pick up technical fouls. So I'm not sure if, they're, if the boogie factor is rubbing off on them um, or if he's just, you know, that's just who he is. 
So let's let's go to the matchup last night, Jokic and Embiid, because obviously uh, Jokic was not the one that decided the game; it was the bench. But Embiid had the better numbers. Jokic's team won. Um, and, and listen, I, I say this all the time. Every time I go on a national show, I try and preach. It is Jokic. He is the better player. He is the most valuable player. He's the best player in the league. Okay. So I'm preaching to the choir with you, though. Talk to me. What did you see last night out of Jokic and Embiid? And do you think this moves the needle at all with the voters? Because all I saw was this line go from about 130, about 130 to 136, minus 136 for Embiid. And then for Jokic, he's still sitting right around 130. I've seen both players bring what they've been bringing all season long. We already knew that Joel Embiid was going to try to score the basketball and try to get to the free throw line. Um, he was going to put up those big numbers, and he did. He finished with 34 points and nine rebounds. Then on Jokic's end, it's like, can he be the same player against a, a very dominant big man that also is a pretty good defender? Um, and Jokic did what he does all year long, um, close to a triple-double. Um, 22 points, 13 rebounds, and eight assists. And that's after a very, very slow start for Jokic. But he responded in a big way. He led his team to the victory. Um, you know, the, the bench unit is who's going to get all of the credit. But they go as far as their best player goes. And, and Jokic still held his composure. And he didn't step away from who he is as a player. You didn't see him just try and go for 40. You didn't see him force a lot of shots. Um, he still got everyone involved, still dominated on the boards. And he scored when he wanted to. That's the thing about Jokic is when they need him, he's going to step up. He is going to be that difference maker. And I felt like we've seen that in the game. Um, as far as the MVP race, the better center won the game. Uh, Jokic got the win in the game. And um, I feel like that, that mattered just a bit more um, just because they are um, not a healthy team. They are missing a few pieces. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, not having those players and going against a healthy um, Sixers team that has – Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and James Harden. That's a fully healthy team that, that the Nuggets were able to beat last night in a playoff-like atmosphere on national television. I feel like that does move, through, uh, move the needle. I mean, he's, he's just so damn good. And we, we've got a, a Philly cast. So we've got the Denver cast, I, I, uh, Denver City cast, I host that. I got a debate coming up with our Philadelphia guy. And I know what he's going to say. He's just, uh, Embiid, he's got more points and, and rebounds and stuff like that. And it's just... I wonder what your sense is, because you're a younger guy. Um, you talk to other beat writers, right? You talk to other people that surround these teams. What is your sense on the voters, maybe the percentage of voters using the advanced numbers, and then maybe some of the old school guys that are still just like voting on, on wins and points and rebounds? Where has that gone in basketball? Because in baseball, it's almost completely analytics now. Where are the voters, as far as numbers go, in the NBA? Well, as far as advanced stats, Jokic is, he's creating a whole new advanced stat number. Like he's, he's winning every single thing that we've ever done. And he's also starting to go with what Embiid has won or just those type of players have won. And that's the eye test. Um, Jokic came into the league super skinny. Then he blew up and he was super big. So the eye test was saying, hey, this guy is too big to be dominating the way that he is. He doesn't look like he's good. Let's keep him off of um, all NBA teams or let's keep him away from MVP um, candidacy. Now he's, you know, gotten in better shape, but he's also still dominating and he's not, you know, finishing the eye test. So now people are saying, OK, this guy is just really, really good. I um, mean, and he's dominant in his own way. Um, and I think that that's where, you know, people that I talk to are starting to go away from the Embiid's. Um, there's, you know, there's big men. And I think Embiid is a really, like, incredible big man. And we, it's great to see two big men dominate in the way that they are um, in their sport and being the best two players in the league. And then you add Giannis to the mix, who also is a, a big right in his own sense. But I think it's how different Jokic is. Um, a big man that can score whenever he wants to, that shoots the three ball, who's also the point guard for the team. Jokic is the best passer in the NBA, and we don't talk about it as much because now I feel like it's solidified. It used to be like he was the best passing big man. Nope, not anymore. He's, he's the best passer in the entire NBA. Um, he has that clutch factor. He's leading his team to victory. So having Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray at, out, I think it answered a new question. Is he a leader? He's leading his team to victories here. And, you know, Philly and um, the Nuggets are, you know, pretty much have the same record. And it's with Jokic, like, lead, like he's, he's missing his players. So 
I think that Jokic is actually just starting to become the MVP candidate, like uh, the the back-to-back MVP. Um, like he's just he's leading that charge um, in doing it. So I think it's all starting to go towards Jokic. Yeah, and you think that the because really it's not about what we think at this point. If you got to vote, what you're doing when you're betting is you got to try and figure out what the voters are thinking. Do you think the voters have bought into Jokic? There's got to be a reason why Embiid is the overwhelming favorite. And my, the only thing I can think of is that some of the voters just don't look at the NBA like a lot of the newer generation does. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And also, um, there's also the factor that Jokic wanted last year. So I think that they, you know, kind of want to give a new player it, especially with Embiid playing the way that he is. So I think that that also factors into it. Um, advanced stats really, you know, I think that they're not getting as much conversation as it once was. Um, do you now have, if you look at who the talking heads are um, and who's, you know, discussing it, it's former players. Um, so they're not understanding, you know, the type of player that Jokic is. Um, you, you get to, you know, have the, the Kendrick Perkins, you get to have Matt Barnes and those type of people. And they're going with the eye test. They're not advanced stat type of people. Um, but then there's also the crowd that are advanced at. So that's where the middle is and where the split is. Um, I think that uh, winning the head-to-head matchup and not being able to match up with each other for the rest of the year, I think that that does lead towards Jokic. Also, there's going to be games that Embiid, maybe now he's forced to play for the entire year since it is such a close race. He's going to have to play every single game. Having James Harden also be on the team, I think that that takes away from Yoke, I mean, uh, Embiid unless he just goes out and he just tries to score 45, 50 the entire time. So I feel like the Sixers are in a bad spot. They either have to play their, their player who doesn't play every single night a lot of minutes for him to dominate, or you know maybe he goes into the playoffs uh, really, really tired. Um, so I feel like this is just, it's too close to, to call right now, and we have to just see what the next couple of weeks bring. Yeah, I'm sitting on a plus 650 Jokic ticket, so I've been holding my breath over these last 13 games. Duvalier, terrific spot, first of all. Second of all, plug everything you're doing. Do Twitter, DMVR. Give me everything you're doing right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over at DMVR. Uh, my Twitter is just my name, uh, Duvalier slash Johnson. Um, or, sorry, Duvalier.Johnson um, over at Twitter. Um, I'm sure that you're going to um, tag me into yep. the post. Everyone come over. Um, and get your Nuggets fix. Uh, we are the best Nuggets um, podcast in the entire world. Um, we're talking about it in different ways. There's the fun factor. There's the, um, the analysis if, you are, if you're a stat-based guy. Um, we, we're doing it in different ways than anyone else is. Come on over. Thanks for the hit. I really appreciate it. Coming up next on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers, I'll talk some more Nuggets. I'm going to go uh, head-to-head with Ryan Rothstein, our Philly guy, on Embiid versus Jokic. Still to come, Stevie Boynton going to break down the NCAA tournament. Plus, I've got some notes on the Avalanche, the Rockies, and Tom Brady. This is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back to the Denver City Cast. I'm holding with Vison, and it's always nice to catch up with Stevie Boyd. Now, you've never heard of Steve is the whole thing. He's with Run Pure Sports. Kind of burst onto the scene last year. We all went absolutely ballistic at the same time. I think, what would you hit, like 11 in a row? And I'm looking forward to uh, coming up with some bets and telling you this year, Steve, it's it's been good. It's been good. You're just telling me you got a 70 to one ticket on Arizona. So you're going to be rooting them home, right? Right? Yeah. I hopped on Arizona early this season. Uh, you know, they've got three studs that, that I really like a bit concerned with the Creasa ankle injury, but they're the way their draw came out. I think that they can kind of ease him back and, and have him ready for the second weekend moving forward. But yeah, you know, we started off, last year with the show that you know i think we hit every pet on so uh yeah let's let's get that mojo back here it was pretty fun and we're going to be going at it again so yeah you got arizona and they're taking on Wright state 
Uh, that's in the 116 matchup. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about betting live versus betting pregame. Because I think this will be the first year where we really have like mass people in legal betting states. So many more have come on board, especially in New York. Like you look at all the people out there, just the sheer number of people. And here in Colorado, the handle's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So let's talk about betting live versus pregame because I still do pregame bets, but I would say the majority of my money goes on live betting. Talk to me a little bit about that and then maybe a strategy or two that you use because you are a big live better too. Yeah, love love live betting, especially in college. Um, and yeah, so as 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 you're watching the games, the big thing for me with with live betting is going into the game with a plan, right? So certain teams like to give up big runs. Uh, certain teams, I think the biggest edge for this with live betting in the tournament is we have a bunch of teams whose coaches auto bench players with with two fouls. So um, you know teams like. Michigan, Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Kentucky, all of these teams are bottom 30 in two foul participation. And all of them have studs on their team where, you know, we just saw it with the Kentucky-Tennessee game. Oscar Shibway picks up two early fouls in the first half. Calipari benches them. Tennessee goes on a big run. So what, what I've been looking at is betting a lot of live first half spreads when when you get these studs on auto bench teams um, that grab those two early fouls just because I'm not sure it's baked in quite enough in into the spreads as they're constantly changing. It's tough to find, you know, especially in that first day or two, right? When we've got multiple games going on at the same time. So I think the big thing for me is I'm always going in with a plan. I'm always going in with a plan with a game. Now, you could probably look at more games at one time, but for me, I'll have two games um, probably in the afternoon, two at night, and I'll adjust and see if anything, see anything on the fly. But for the most part, I mean, you're big volume better, aren't you? On the live side, I feel like you are. Or maybe yeah. you're just a lot more calculated than I'm feeling, but I feel like you're pretty, pretty big volume better, whereas I'm a guy that's a little more calculated. What about volume betting? So I, I'm maybe a bit more calculated than I used to be <laughs> okay. just because, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it's going in with the plan. We've got a lot of data on these teams. Um, I, I think a game right in your backyard is a big one. You know, I mentioned Michigan, one of those auto bench teams, um, Hunter Dickinson, if he gets an early foul trouble, he will sit the rest of the half, you know, so that's, that's the first spot that I'll be looking at. I think that's the first game, on Thursday, it is. Yeah. it is. So you know, right, right out of the gate, we have one of those situations that I talked about. Same with Indiana in the first four. If Trace Jackson Davis gets two, you know, I'm, I'm, I've made a good amount of money with Indiana, Michigan, and Iowa. There's three Big Ten teams that auto bench their bigs. Iowa specifically because Keegan Murray, Murray, sorry, is just so much of their offense that if he ever picks up two fouls, it's just an auto play on, on the other team first half. Dude, Keegan Murray is probably the best player in college basketball right now. Now, not NBA-wise or anything. How about the hottest? The hottest player. Oh, yeah. I've seen guys like Carmelo Anthony in 03, right? Now, he was a transcendent talent too, but he was the hottest and most transcendent talent. We got a guy in Keegan Murray that I'm afraid as a Kansas fan. Because they could end up meeting them after a couple of wins, mm -hmm. and that would be what the one five, I believe. I yeah. I've seen it too many times in the tournament. One guy could carry a team for four games and get into the final four. You don't see it very often getting to the finals or winning it all. But Murray's that that Iowa team is dangerous. Yeah, I liked him going into this past weekend. We we were on him for most of the weekend in the Big Ten tournament, and I think they got a pretty good draw here up until that Kansas game. One of the notes I had written down is, uh, I think whoever wins that Kansas Iowa game comes out of that that quadrant. Um, so yeah, pretty safe draw there. Um, and I know you're a Kansas guy. You know you gotta love um, avoiding teams like Nova, Kentucky as as the two. You know you get Auburn, who hasn't really played a good game out outside of their home gym in about a month now. So um, the Midwest, I think is the most wide open 
um, just because, you know, Providence at the four and Wisconsin at the three, you know, Johnny Davis is kind of battling the injury and, you know, the metrics don't like those two teams as much as say, you know, the three and the four seeds in uh, other regions. All right, let's get into some of these games here. You talked about Michigan and Colorado State. And as someone that bets a lot of the more of the West Coast games, whether it be the Mountain West or the Big Sky, I've seen a ton of Colorado State. And I always say this, that a team that is more athletic and longer than them, they're not going to be able to compete. They're just going to get beat by them. But I don't think Michigan is one of those teams. Now, you said bet this game live if um, if Hunter Dickerson gets into foul trouble, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I, that, that's actually a terrific strategy. I kind of have a number made up in my head at this point. Um, Colorado State, I mean, if I can get them at like five points, I don't see this being any more you know, than a three or four point game at the most. Should be a close game. But for me, just like Colorado State's going to have an issue with Michigan's big man, I think David Roddy is almost unguardable at this point. So you'll have two studs going at it head to head. Yeah, uh, I I haven't bet this one yet, but if I would, it would be on the Colorado State side. Uh, Colorado State forces teams to shoot a ton of threes. Forty-four percent of opponent yep. attempts are from three. That's that's top thirty in the country, and that's just really not Michigan's strength. They don't take a ton of threes. They're outside the top three hundred in uh, in three-point attempts. Last in the Big Ten. Um, both teams really thrive on scoring inside and. You know, this Michigan team last year was elite inside the arc with Franz mm-hmm. Wagner and Livers, but those guys are gone. Um, Dickinson's good offensively, but he's 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 not very good defensively. They were third in opponent two-point percentage last year, 222nd this year. So I think Roddy, like you said, plays well here. And just to kind of circle back to that first point, he has one of the highest uh, fouls drawn rates in the country. So, you know, um, you know, with the auto benching, like we said, Roddy draws a bunch of fouls. You know, I think that that is the angle that I'm looking at here. And, uh, yeah, I think Colorado State plays well in this matchup. Well, that's the other thing. That is the Rams are a very good free throw shooting team. And I wonder how much you use free throw shooting as a handicap because how many games this year, it's like these guys just can't hit free throws. It is so frustrating. And even Roddy missed a couple at the end of a game. But for the most part, Colorado State's been terrific at the line. There have been games where that has decided it. So how do you kind of inject the free throw shooting, whether it be great or bad, into handicapping? Yeah, I I worry about it if I'm taking a favorite as, you know, a small number, you know, between one and five, you know, cause these, a lot of these games are going to be close. And like you said, um, you know, there's nothing worse than holding a minus four and a half and a team can't, can't get home. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't usually bet a lot of favorites in that, you know, two to seven range kind of because of that. Those are the games where, you know, if, if I like a team, but they're not a great free throw shooting team, I'll look to bet them live at a lower number, you know, in inside a possession or so. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, these these games are going to be back and forth. We've seen so many times, you know, a team goes down eight to two, and, you know, the live number of seven is now two and a half. So um, you just have to be comfortable passing on spots if it doesn't materialize, right? Um, you know, say say you, you want a team at, at – at, you know, two and a half or three that opens at seven. If it doesn't pop, you know, you don't have to bet it. You know, there's there's a lot of games on the board mm-hmm. um, and a lot of really good spots, I think. All right, Steve Boynton, he is with Run Pure Bets. What about the first four? You got a look in that game? Uh, I love the first four, especially since they changed it up so you don't have, like, the four worst teams, you know, four the eight worst teams facing each other. Now you got, like, four teams that are coming in here that legitimately should be on the bubble that get to make their way in. What do you like from the first four? Yeah, and, you know, everyone brings it up, but, you know, more often than not, one of these teams, especially, you know, in the uh, 11 seeds, are going to win more than this game. Uh, I think Indiana is is live to win more than one, but the bet that I like in the, in the first four is Rutgers plus one, um, catching a point against Notre Dame. Rutgers has got nine wins against the Ken Palm top 50 on the season. So, you know, they've shown us that, that they can beat the 
elite teams, even if they took some some bad losses, most of those were pretty early in the season. Um, the Irish have two wins against Ken Palm Top 50. One of those was that Kentucky win just after Thanksgiving. I think Kentucky was like 2 of 19 or 2 of 20 from 3, and Notre Dame eked that game out at home. Um, I mean, that, that, that win is the only reason why they're in this bracket, it feels like. Um, away from home, the the Irish, uh, their best win is against a Miami team who, who, you know, I will also be fading in this tournament and Clemson. So, you know, they they just haven't picked up a win on the road uh, against a team as quality as Rutgers, even though Rutgers isn't, you know, a top 10 team. They're a top 50 team, and we just haven't seen over 30 games Notre Dame have the ability to beat a team like that. Um Rutgers' main issue is that they turn the ball over a lot in conference play. Notre Dame's 336 in defensive turnover percentage. You know, they're not a ball pressure defense. Uh, and then lastly, I just think they have the two best players in the game in uh, Ron Harper Jr. and um, Amorier. So I like Rutgers getting the one here. Um, and moving forward, I think that they could give, <laughs> you know, maybe the most mercurial team in the country – Bama, an interesting test in that first round, too. Okay. So, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's, uh, I'm going to give you a, a game that I absolutely love here. I don't think Wyoming's any good. I don't think Wyoming personally belongs in the tournament at this point. Um, they are an NIT team. The way they finished the season, they were a terrific team throughout the first two thirds of the year, but they really fell off in Mountain West play against the actual good teams. I do not see Wyoming walking out uh, of their first game this week. Stick a fork in them. This yeah. is th- and it's more about Wyoming than the opponent. It's it's more about them than Indiana. And, by the way, you know this, Indiana on fire, playing some good yeah. basketball. Xavier Johnson finally playing as well as we thought he would mm-hmm. coming into the year. They they looked really good in the Big Ten tournament. You know, they, real quick, Steve, real yeah. quick, sorry. I, I got to throw the odds out at there. It's, it's minus yeah. four. If you're on Indiana, minus four on bet rivers it opened at three and a half you could still i mean you could actually i'm not a guy that buys points but if you wanted to get it down to three and a half i'm comfortable at four though with indiana wyoming minus four bet rivers all right steve you were saying yeah i mean i was i was high on indiana run pure bets as a whole was high come um on them coming into the big 10 tournament they they lost that squeaker game against iowa on saturday that was a really good game uh but my biggest um reason why I think Indiana is going to move on is uh, Wyoming really gets most of their production from EK and Maldonado who, who don't really shoot threes, right? Um, Indiana seventh in the country in defensive two point percentage. They, they make you hit threes on them. Um, and I just, I think it's a weird matchup for Wyoming trying to, to score at the rim against a team that is so good defensively inside. Okay, there we go. We've got that one. Let's move on to uh, one of the games uh, that are coming up here, Ohio State and Loyola, too. You got you got a thought on this because Loyola's a team, new head coach, still running through the conference tournament, and they look like a team because they've been there. Maybe I'm a little afraid if I'm Ohio State. Well, they shouldn't be, but maybe yeah. I, I would be if I was back in Ohio State. How about that? Yeah, so we've we've seen this number move. I think I saw Ohio State plus one earlier today. Uh, I have some interest there. You know, Holtman's coming off a season where they dropped the first round game to Oral Roberts last year, as you know, when Ohio State was was the two seed. Uh, I think he has the guys ready for this game. Um, you know, they struggled a bit down the stretch, but you know, EJ Liddell, a top ten player in the country, Malachi Branham looked awesome down the stretch. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to be on the other side of everyone who's who watches college basketball for two weeks a year is going to pick Loyola here. So um, I kind of want to be on the other side of that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take Ohio State. Yeah. You're going to be there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Purdue, Yale. Give me some thoughts there. Yeah. Uh, Purdue, I, I saw minus 15 and a half is where I grabbed it. I think it, it's going between that and 16. Uh, great spot here for Purdue coming off a couple like grinder pace down games in the Big Ten tournament before having, I think, their worst offensive performance in the season in the championship against Iowa 
yesterday. Uh, you know, this game's on Friday. That gives them an extra day to get past that. Purdue's a uh, top three offensive team in the country. Uh, and Yale's a pace team, too, which kind of feeds right into what Purdue wants to do. You know, they want to get up and down. Uh, and Yale is just really bad defensively in, inside the arc, out, outside the top 200, where Purdue's got Travion Williams and Zach Eady waiting for him. You know, they're, they're going to score at will here. Yale starts a 6'7 guy at center. Uh, he's going to have to guard 7'4 Eady. And Travion Williams, who is much more athletic. Um, and to cap it off, so Yale played three top 50 teams this season. Seton Hall, they lost 80-44. to St. Mary's, 87-60. Auburn, 86-64. Uh, Purdue's a better offensive team than all three of those. I think they walked to you know 85-plus points here. Um, and Yale doesn't really want to shoot threes they want to score inside and i just think they have a tough time against Edie and company so uh pretty comfortable laying the 15 and a half with purdue i think they play really well absolutely love it all right give me your final four buddy let's see what we got yep so i have arizona like like we talked about to start off uh, i think they're the most complete team in the country uh, i've got kentucky um we we talked at the start i have the winner of the iowa kansas game in the midwest i haven't i haven't decided that yet but man um i think whoever wins that uh goes and plays arizona in the final four and that i've got i've got arkansas in the west this is a team that i really like uh they they played their best ball of the season down the stretch jd note jalen williams i i think they've got the you know the guard play and the star power um but man that's a that's a tough uh quadrant of the bracket you know with gonzaga yukon duke texas tech i think that's the toughest one i think that that arkansas or that i guess i should say potential arkansas yukon game will probably be the best of the weekend um you know in that second round matchup so you think they cover the five and a half uh against vermont I saw Arkansas? five, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna take him at five. I think that it might drop even further. Vermont's getting a lot of chatter. You know, I think they're good. They just have not played a team close to the caliber of Arkansas. Um, and you know, like I said, I think Arkansas is a top ten-ish team in the country. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ride my guys. All right, see where can they find you on Twitter? Run pure bets. Talk about it. Yep, so I'm on Twitter at Steve Boynton VT, Boynton like Boynton Beach, um, and runpuresports.com. I do all the college basketball daily fantasy content, and I also help out on the Major League Baseball, which uh, was awesome to get that news over the weekend that uh, uh, we're back up and running. Steve, thank you very much, my friend. I'll come back with some final thoughts on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet River Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet River Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet River Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Let's wrap up the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers with a little Rockies, a little Avalanche, a little Tom Brady because Bet Rivers has some cool Tom Brady specials. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, the Rockies. There is literally no buzz about the Rockies. As a matter of fact, I asked my daughter if she was excited to go to a Rockies game this year, and she told me she doesn't like baseball anymore. So good job uh, to. Major League Baseball, first of all, for the lockout. Second of all, for making the game as boring as possible lately. I still love baseball. I don't care. Uh, but Bet Rivers has the season win total up for the Rockies, which is interesting. I thought it would be probably around 62 and a half because I'm looking at them losing 100 games this year. This is a 100-loss team. It's at 67 and a half at minus 114 on both sides. 67 and a half wins for the Rockies. Now, you say to yourself, first of all, all right, the Rockies are bad, but somehow they still won 74 games last year, won 74 and 87. Well, that was last year. You know, to me, they actually surprised a little bit. But then I remembered 
they had Nolan Arenado for a chunk of the season. They had Trevor Story for the whole season. They had John Gray all season. But those guys are gone. And there's no significant additions so far. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on this because I don't know if they're going to go out and get themselves a legitimate bat. But even then, even if they get themselves a Kyle Schwarber or a Michael Conforto, this total, boy, at 67 and a half, I'm almost talking myself into it on the show. I will likely continue talking about it. I'm not ready to place the bet. Again, I want to see what else happens with the Rockies. Uh, they do have a couple of teams in the division that I would say are not stellar, <laughs> if, if I could go there. Uh, the Rockies, obviously, the worst team in the division and one of the worst teams in the league, but the Diamondbacks are horrible, too. Uh, I don't see the Padres being under 500, but then again, Tatis is out multiple multiple months, but the Giants are still there. The Dodgers, I mean, you had 213 wins between these two teams last year. Giants 107.55, Dodgers 106.56. Do the Giants come back down to earth? Probably, but you still got to play the Giants who are a good baseball team. You've got to face the Dodgers a whole bunch. Great baseball team. Padres, better than the Rockies. Diamondbacks 52 and 110, but boy, the, the more I think about it, the more I'm leaning toward the under on 67 and a half. Uh, no official play yet, but that's the way I'm definitely leaning. We've got the Avs and the Kings tonight. The Avs making a little trade. I like this trade. I like it. A little Josh Manson action from Anaheim for prospect Drew Hellison. A guy that Mark Springer, our Avs insider, likes. And a 2023 second round pick. So they need a little help on the PK and uh, killing the penalties. And uh, he's a tough dude who is really expected to help on the PK. Uh, TSN insider Pierre Lebrun. For those of you that are excited about this move and you're excited that they might get Claude Giroux. Well, here's what Lebrun had to say. Very, very respected uh, writer in the NHL circles. My sense is the Colorado Avalanche don't intend to be done. They still hope for to further improve the roster, and they believe they'll be interested in Claude Giroux, among other forwards. So that's kind of nice to hear, huh? Claude Giroux, the name has just been brought back and forth and back and forth with the Avalanche. A lot of connections there. We'll see if they land them. Uh, lines in this game tonight don't have a show bet. Avs at the Kings. Avs at the Kings tonight, 8.30 on the puck line. That means minus one and a half. The Avs would have to win by two or more goals, plus 114. Avs on the money line, minus 215. And the total here is six and a half. Juice shaded to the under at minus 127, plus 104 is the number for the over six and a half. And then last but not least, Got to get into the Bet River specials on Tom Brady. Did anybody else expect this? I think a lot of people expected this, <laughs> to be honest with you. A lot of people thought he's not going to stay at home. He comes out. What night was that? Like Saturday night? Saturday, Sunday night. He comes out. He says, uh, that's it. I'm coming back. And, and all I can think of you know, is two possible scenarios. The, the most logical scenario is that he just is done hanging out with his family every day. So for a guy that has devoted his whole life to football, doesn't see his children, you know, very much during the regular season, it just doesn't happen during the regular season of the postseason. I mean, it's like six full months that they're not seeing their dad. I don't know what his off season regimen is with his family, but I think once you hang out at home with your family, I love my kids. I would love to be around my kids all the time. I actually stayed home for two years and took care of them. That's how much I love my kids. They're little kids. Um, even that, I needed a break from my family. I think Tom Brady probably went home, said, geez, uh, hanging out with my family this much. I mean, I love my wife and I love my kids, but uh, the football things, uh, it's a little more rewarding right now in my life. I think that's what happened. That's my personal theory on it. The other one could be is just out of spite. He wanted to get back at Adam Sheffield. He's like, screw you. You broke that story. It's not true. I'm getting back at you. Probably not the case. Nonetheless, Tom Brady's coming back. Here are the specials at Bet Rivers. The Buccaneers to win the NFC and Tom Brady to record over one and a half total rushing TDs. Plus 600. Plus 600. So not only do you need 
the Bucks to get back to the Super Bowl, which didn't happen this past year, although they had a nice, they had a valiant effort against the Rams. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just six to one for them to win the NFC. And then on top of that, he has to score two rushing touchdowns. That's a rough one, but you are getting six to one. I mean, I mean, I get it. You're getting six to one at least. I just don't see him rushing for a pair of touchdowns. The last time he did that was 2000. Let me see here. When's the last time he ran for two? You know what? I was looking at the other side. He ran for two touchdowns last year, ran for three the year before that, and three with the Patriots. So he has gone over that number. One, two, three, four. Here's what I will say about this bet. If you think that the Bucs are going to win the NFC, it's not a bad bet to go with plus 600 on the rushing touchdown and winning the NFC prop. You might want to sprinkle in on that. That's actually not a bad bet. Uh, Tom Brady will lead the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns in the regular season, plus 2,000. I mean, he went bananas last year and the year before that, didn't he? Passing yards, passing touchdowns. He's not a guy that is consistently going to lead the league in passing yards, but, I mean, he did last year. So this will be, this is another one that's interesting to me. Huh. Leading the league in total passing yards and passing touchdowns. I, I don't know if he gets to the passing touchdowns again at 43, but it's absolutely possible. I mean, you got Stafford, you got Herbert, you got Mahomes. Uh, we'll see if Burrow takes the next step. If Josh Allen continues right there, he's in the mix for that. So 20 to one, not an awful bet either. Not an awful bet either. And then his, uh, his touchdown passes. Last year, 43 touchdown passes, right? Guess who's back? Tom Brady record over under 38 and a half total passing touchdowns. Even money over, minus 110 under. I don't bet overs on preseason player props just because of the injury rate. But 38 and a half, I mean, he goes back to the Bucks again. How is, that's, a, that's not a bad bet either. So these specials are actually kind of attainable which is very, very interesting. All right, that's the Tom Brady specials, the Rockies thoughts, the Avs thoughts, thanks to our guest today, uh, Duvalier Johnson from the DNVR, and my buddy, Stevie Boynton. Just a wonderful, wonderful spot from him, giving us his NCAA tournament selections. Again, best bet from me tonight, Colorado, minus four in the NIT against St. Bonaventures, already placed a half-unit bet on CSU, the Rams, to uh, actually plus two and a half against Michigan, which is kind of nice too. Uh, thanks for checking it out. Tomorrow, I'll have a really big show. Again, we're going to focus even more on the NCAA tournament. I will have a detailed breakdown of the Rams. I'll have a couple of more uh, thoughts on some other games in the tournament as well, not just the Rams bets. We'll recap Colorado tonight. Hopefully, they get a win. I like betting Colorado. I and mean, they, they have been tough to pin down at times this season, but I'm feeling good about the, really good about this bet tonight. Truly very, very good about this bet for Colorado tonight. And again, tomorrow, just a whole bunch uh, to get into with the NCAA tournament and preview the, um, the Nuggets game and recap the Avalanche as well. Maybe some more thoughts on the Rockies. We'll see if that comes along. Plus my buddy Ian St. Clair joins me. That'll be terrific for his weekly hit. We'll get his thoughts on the Broncos moves, on the Rockies, the Avs, and the Nuggets. And what are people betting on in Colorado? We'll get into that again as well. I'm Holden. Thanks for checking out the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.